0: This is Church Alive's Teaching of the Week. For additional teachings or information about the church, go to churchalive.net. So y'all, would you please stand and honor Regina as she comes up to preach the word today? I guess y'all figured it out. It's We're getting ready for Christmas. I mean, look around here. You know, uh, Pastor Gene has joked a little bit here and there. I, I'm a, a purist when it comes to Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't like to intermingle my, my Christmas with my Thanksgiving. And so now that Thanksgiving is officially over, I'm on board. So uh, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good now. But as you can see, it's officially December. And I'm sure that, you know, look around either your own home or within the, the community. There have been lots of preparations going on for this special time of the year. You know, we have decorations that are being put into place. Maybe you've already put up your tree. Um, You've got the outdoor lights. There's so many uh, lights in our neighborhood right now. We have a couple of houses that, man, they are like really into those lights. And they're beautiful, you know, the kids love them. People are hanging up wreaths. You've got activities being planned, parties, other kinds of family events and gatherings. Maybe you're buying gifts. You're wrapping those gifts. Um, You know, preparations are being made. Something that our kiddos did uh, just this weekend was that they like to make one of those paper chains, you know, counting down the days up until Christmas. And what I've noticed is as that chain gets shorter and shorter leading up until Christmas, man, the excitement just grows. Audrey, she's like, look, look, there's only this many left. (laughs) So there's something though that I, 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 there's a reason I bring up all of those things. And it's not just because yes, we're making preparations for Christmas, but there's a theme that runs through all of those things that I just mentioned. And that theme is expectancy. Expectancy. You see, at this time of the year here at Christmas, we are expectant, we are anticipating an event, Christmas. You know, if you talk to kids, they're 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 expectant of that day, you know, that morning, or whenever your family celebrates that. But you see, Mary and Joseph, they were expectant and anticipating a person. And that's what I want to talk about with you this morning. That's what we're going to take some minutes to explore. You see, for hundreds and hundreds of years, there had been prophecies that had been given given of the coming Messiah. There was a spirit of anticipation, of expectancy. They were desiring for this promised, this coming Messiah. So in the first chapter of Luke we read that the angel Gabriel brought news to the Virgin Mary, a message that she was highly favored, that she would conceive a son by the Holy Spirit. That's, that's just still, as many times as I have read this in God's word, it never ceases to amaze me that this message was brought to this teenage mother By the angel Gabriel. And it's just incredible. That she would conceive a son by the Holy Spirit. This would not just be an ordinary baby. But the promised son of God. Jesus would be the Messiah that was prophesied. Years ago in Isaiah 9. If you look in Isaiah 9. It says, for unto us a child is born. Man, oh, that's so good. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with two things, y'all. Justice and righteousness. Isn't that something we crave? Justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So these things had been prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and there was, like I said, this spirit of expectancy in the air, this anticipation. And we see in Scripture that not just Mary and Joseph, but there were others who were expecting the coming Messiah. We read in the second chapter of Luke that there was a devout man named Simeon. You see, Simeon had been promised something by the Lord, that he would not die until he saw the Messiah. And this promise came true on the day that Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple. And we can actually read what Simeon said when he was holding that baby in his arms. It says in Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. Basically, he just says, I can die now. I can die now. I have seen him. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. You see, there was expectancy. There was anticipation. We also see there were a group of wise men from the East called the Magi. They were expecting. They were expecting Jesus's arrival. You see, most scholars believe that the prophet Daniel was the chief of the Magi. And so perhaps this is why about 600 years later, these gr- this group of men, these wise men, were expecting a Jewish king to arrive in Judea. And these men came and they brought gifts to the promised child. And we read of that in Matthew chapter 2. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. We've been singing about joy this morning. They were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Notice their reaction. They worshipped him. That should be our reaction, is to worship him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It is often assumed that because there are three gifts that were presented unto Jesus in that scripture that we read, that there were three men. But we really don't know how many came to worship him. But the number doesn't matter. What matters is, is they were expectant. They were anticipating and that reaction that they worshiped. They worshiped him. So when we study God's word, it's really important for us to realize that there is nothing put in his word by accident. Nothing. It all has significance. It all has a deeper meaning. And so over the next few weeks, what we will be doing is we are going to take a deeper, closer look at each one of those three gifts that were mentioned in that scripture. And today we're going to examine a little more closely the meaning behind frankincense. We're gonna take some moments to talk about that. So frankincense was one of those gifts that was presented to Jesus. And it does have a deeper meaning and significance than um, what we often hurriedly read uh, through those scriptures. You know, I have memories of, of my grandfather and now my father that before, in our family, before you would open the gifts, we had to read the Christmas story. And I could remember as a child just going, okay, okay, all right, how quickly can they read it? How quickly can they read it? And so, you know, I've heard those scriptures time and time again, but we really need to examine what is it telling us today? What does it truly mean? So let's look at frankincense. In Exodus... Moses was given instructions to combine frankincense with other fragrant spices. The blend was used and burned as incense in the tabernacle in the tab, excuse me, I'm tongue-tied, tabernacle or the tent of meeting. And because it was used by the high priest scholars agree that this gift that was given of frankincense represents jesus as our high priest and so you may think to yourself well what's the purpose what's the what's the purpose or of this title of high priest or what what does that role even mean why do i need a high priest why is jesus my high priest well i'm glad that you asked that question because that's what we're going to look at today Why is he our high priest? Well, first of all, it's because sin separated us from God. It did. You know, before sin entered the world, if we could just rewind back to Genesis for a moment, Adam and Eve had the closest fellowship with God. The word says that they walked with him in the cool of the day. You know, it was an amazing close relationship. And that is what God desired to have with us. But we know that sin entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And so we have the sinfulness of man that is still with us today. And we know that the sinfulness of man cannot dwell with the holiness of God. God is holy. He is absolutely holy. What does that mean? Well, he's perfect. He's pure. He is without flaw. He has been set apart. Y'all, there is no one like him. No one in heaven or on earth like our God. He is holy. But you see, we are sinful Man is sinful. It says in Romans 3, 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have a sin problem. And it's nothing that we can handle on our own. We needed a high priest. And so when sin entered the world, it led to our physical and our spiritual death And we still see that progression going on today. You see, God hates sin because sin ruined that close relationship that He so desired with us. It ruined it. Sin separates, it separates, and He does not want us separated from Him. So we needed a remedy, we desperately needed a remedy. And so, therefore, Jesus Christ closed the gap for us. He closed the gap for us. Praise be unto God that he did that for us. Now, we have Adam and Eve, and they have this issue now. They've sinned. So, when I say the gap was closed for us, initially... The remedy was the shedding of blood, the first animal sacrifice. We read in Genesis that they were covered with skins. Well, where did those skins come from? An animal, an innocent animal had to die. And so that blood was shed, and God covered Adam and Eve with those animal skins. And y'all, there's this churchy word that we, we often say, but I really want us to understand what it means Atonement was made for Adam and Eve in that moment. Atonement means to make amends for a wrong. There was sin that had taken place. There was a wrong that had occurred. And so God stepped in, provided that sacrifice, and covered them. He covered them. And he turned, in essence, it was a way to turn away the wrath that he had towards sin because, as we said, God hates sin, so he had to take care of that. But I want you to know, and I want you to repeat after me say, This is good, but something better is coming. Say it again, say, This is good, but something better is coming. See, it's that expectancy, we got to have it that anticipation. You see, it says in Hebrews chapter 5, it says this, Every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So what is that role of a high priest? What does a high priest do? It says it right there that he offers gifts he sacrifices for the sins of the people. Okay. So fast forward from Genesis on into Exodus. Now we're in the time of Moses. We have Moses leading the children of Israel. Leads them out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness. And some things weren't going quite right. If, you, if you've read any of Exodus, things were not going quite right. Well, Moses, we know. Many of you have seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. He goes up on Mount Sinai and he receives the Ten Commandments. But while he was up there, he also receives the details for the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. was very, very detailed, everything that he received. But he also received a vision, uh, basically instructions of the role of the high priest. This was the start Of the Levitical priesthood. Okay? So we had that animal sacrifice for Adam and Eve. Now fast forward and we're going to have the Levitical priesthood. And the first Levitical high priest was... Do y'all know? Who was appointed? It's trivia time. Anybody remember? Moses? No? It was Aaron. It was Aaron. Okay? So Aaron... Was set in place as that high priest. And it says in Hebrews 5:4, and no one takes this honor, meaning the role of high priest, on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. So Aaron is called as the high priest. So let's take a look at some of the things that the high priest would do. We already saw earlier in Scripture that he would offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now, there was a special day once a year called the Day of Atonement. We already talked a little bit about atonement. Also, um, the Jews call it Yom Kippur, okay? So once a year, there was a sacrifice that would be made. This was an innocent animal oftentimes a lamb. And this sacrifice would be made. Of course, there was bloodshed and there would be the burning of incense. Well, what was that incense that would be burned? Frankincense. Okay. So the incense or frankincense would be burned. Now this represented the prayers of the people for mercy because of their sins. They needed God's mercy and so you have the animal being killed. You have the incense being burned. And that blood from that innocent animal that was sacrificed, it was sprinkled by the high priest in the Holy of Holies on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And that is a representation of taking the place of the guilty ones. That, that blood is what covered the sins of the guilty ones. It was the payment for the sins. Are y'all seeing any connections here? You seeing these connections? Okay, then the priest would confess the sins of the people onto a goat, an innocent goat. We often say that word scapegoat, this is where that originated from. Okay, so the sins of the people were basically, in essence, transferred onto this innocent goat. And then that goat would be either driven out into the wilderness or would be run off of a cliff. Now, that represents Symbolic of how the sins would be separated from the people of God Now I know for some of you who maybe have not looked into this in detail This sounds a little crazy Like what are these people doing? They're killing animals They're sprinkling blood They're running goats off a cliff But y'all, this was the system That God put into place Because sin separates Okay Sin is still with us Today It's still here with us, but how many of you know something better is coming, right? Something better is coming. So the first animal, it was symbolic of paying the price for the sins of the people. And the second animal was symbolic of the sins being separated from the people of God. So let's say it again. Say, "This this is good, but something better is coming. That's right. Something better is coming. You see, because Jesus is our high priest. He is our high priest. And so the other ways of dealing with sin, y'all, they were just temporary. They were just temporary. Those things, the the killing of the animal for Adam and Eve, and the Levitical priesthood started with Aaron. Aaron. Those were only a foreshadowing of what was later to come. It says in Hebrews 2, 17, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. And that he, Jesus Christ, might make atonement for the sins of the people. Everybody say, this is what we've been waiting for. (laughs) Yes, because Jesus is our high priest. You see, he is a high priest that is merciful. He is a high priest that is faithful. And he has the mercy and compassion that we needed. The mercy and compassion of God was extended when he sent Jesus for us. He, Jesus Christ, is the greatest gift. There is no gift that you could receive greater than Jesus, your high priest. You see, because he left heaven and he came to earth. He was born as a human. He died as a sacrifice for us. He paid the price. He restored the relationship. Between us and God. He addressed that separation. That sin caused. He made atonement. He provided that reconciliation that we needed. Between us and God. You see it says in Hebrews 4. 14 and 15. Therefore since we have a great high priest. Who has ascended into heaven. Jesus the Son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we possess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we were yet he did not sin he was the perfect one the perfect one Jesus Christ Your high priest, he's full of compassion. You know, whatever you're walking through right now, I know that this is a joyful time of the year for many, but for others, it's painful. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ, your high priest, he understands. He understands what you're walking through. He can fully relate because he walked this earth as a human. You know, his life was not an easy life. He left heaven and came to earth for you. He went through trials, he went through temptations, he went through betrayal. It was not an easy life. He can sympathize with your struggles, with your pain, He is a high priest full of compassion. Jesus Christ, your high priest, also He settled the sin problem. It's taken care of. It is absolutely taken care of. Because you see, He is the best. He is the best. He was the best high priest and is the best high priest. Jesus not only offered sacrifices, as our high priest but he also became the perfect sacrifice and there isn't a need for more atonement you see when they sacrificed those animals they had to be sacrificed year after year after year But not so with the perfect sacrifice, Jesus. He completed it all. The work is finished. It is done. It is paid in full. His atonement was perfect. There is no longer separation between you and God. You see, some people have a wrong perception of God. They think He's angry at them. They think that he's just standing, watching over them, like waiting for you to just mess up. That's not our God. Let me help you out. That's not our God. We serve a God of love. We serve a God of love. He's not angry with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. He loves you desperately. And he wants a relationship with you. And in 2 Peter 3.9. It says. That he's patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. If you don't have a relationship with him. I want you to know. All you have to do is accept his gift. He's waiting on you with open arms of love. He wants you, he chose you, he wants that close fellowship with you. What better time of the year to make things right, to accept the gift of salvation? And if you haven't accepted this gift of salvation that was provided for you by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then I invite you to accept this gift today. All that you have to do is acknowledge that sin has separated you from God, that Jesus Christ provided the payment for your sins. And that Jesus wants to be in close relationship with you. So if you'll bow your heads, let's pray this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I have a sin problem. But you paid the price. I thank you, Lord, For the gift of salvation I thank you that you came to earth that you grew as a man and that you died for me I accept you as Lord of my life I turn away from my sin and I accept you as Savior reign in my heart today I choose to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to Church Alive's teaching of the week. We invite you to join us for the Sunday morning worship service every Sunday at 10 a.m. or learn more at churchalive.net.